Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, you guys, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I think you're going to love what we have in store today. I have the amazing Vanessa Gobes on the episode. Vanessa is a good friend and business partner to Denise Costello, who was on the episode just two weeks ago. And Vanessa specializes in helping us just get more mindful. She teaches meditation She teaches women how to live by the moon cycles. She has an amazing energy and amazing story. And I really feel like she's someone who walks her talk. And I think you'll see that in today's episode. She gets really vulnerable with us. She tells us how it really is in her life right now. And she gives us some of the tools that she uses to get through the day to day. And she really is open about what she's good at and what she really feels like she's not and how she leans on people for that. So for that, I love this episode. I I love how open she can be with us because I just feel like that inspires all of us. And I feel like the more we can all do that, the better, the better the world will be. So Vanessa and Denise and I know each other pretty well because we've partnered on this event that's just coming up in just two weeks called Solopreneur. They actually put it on last year and I went as an attendee and just loved it. And this year I'm honored and humbled and excited to be co-hosting it with them. We're doing it in downtown Boston. So if you're in the New England area or happen to be coming through Boston or you live in the area, we would love to have you there. There's a couple places left. It makes a lot of sense for entrepreneurs, any woman entrepreneur. I feel like it makes sense for an entrepreneurial woman. So if you're thinking about what to do next, I think you'd be really inspired by this day. And also if you're working a day job and you just have that entrepreneurial spirit, I think you'd still love it. What it is, is it's part sort of half the day is yoga and meditation and some dance and learning how to use those tools and put them into your everyday. And then that's coupled with some real business training. So we have this amazing person coming to teach about Facebook Live. We have my friend Dolores, who's actually also been on the podcast, coming to teach about how to really tell your message with clarity. She's a clarity coach, and she's also a TEDx organizer. And I will be there giving my the talk for the first time, my new talk for the first time, because I've given my talk a lot, (laughs) but my new talk for the first time that really talks about planning and planning for flow and how to fit food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work um, into your day-to-day. And I'm super, super pumped for this talk. I've been working on it now for about four months as I've been waiting for the flow planner to make its way from the other side of the world over here and it's arriving. So I'm super, super excited about that. And I'll tell you guys more about that in upcoming weeks. But for today, let's get Vanessa on the show. And if you're curious about anything I've mentioned, so either Solopreneur, The Flow Planner, um, 
we'll put both of those things in the show notes, but also just make sure that you're on the Plan Simple Meals email list because we'll be communicating with you through that over the next couple of weeks. It'll be an exciting, busy time. We have a challenge coming up um, on the other side of Mother's Day to really help as many moms as possible start to put these practices into their life to really understand what it looks like to have a more, I'm putting like air quotes in the air right now, balanced lives. Um, Because I do believe it's possible, but I believe it's different than what we think. Like that whole concept of work-life balance, I think is really hard for moms because I think life, the definition of life really changes when we become a mom. And so it almost when we start thinking of work-life balance, it's like work-mom balance. And I want to move it back to work-life balance so we can really show up as the best versions of ourselves for our little ones and for our communities and for ourselves. So I'm super excited for everything that's coming up. And without further ado, let's get Vanessa on the show. Vanessa, welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks, Mia. I'm excited too. Um, it's funny because we actually talk a lot. Sometimes I interview people who I've never met before. Some times I interview people who I've you know, only talked to online, but I actually get to have conversations with you quite frequently. So it's fun to have you in this format. So let's dive in a little bit to your story. I think that's a good place to start. And then we'll bring it out and give people some tips. But I feel like you're in the midst of a pretty amazing moment and you've created this life that um, you can just see your quest for joy and happiness and bringing your, you have three kids along for the ride. So will you just share a little bit like where you're coming from and where you're going a little, like the parts you want to share of the journey? (laughs) Yeah. um, So the the business that I started two and a half years ago is called uh, the Chrysalis Center. It was a center that my business partner, Denise Costello, and I opened in Winchester, Massachusetts, which is a small town uh, just north of Boston. And um, we did it to be a hub for like mindfulness-based activity for people in our community. We thought that um, after just a series of really challenging life situations in our community. And I mean like the death of multiple children, suicide, Mm. really painful, awful things. We felt like our community needed a place to uplift and connect and um, experience their own energy in ways that maybe they hadn't considered before. Um, In other words, spirituality, churches are starting to empty out. They're not, uh, they're not patronized in the same way that they used to be. And so we sort of were billing ourselves as an alternative um, for soul seekers in the suburbs. And we called it chrysalis because, you know, a chrysalis is a pod where a butterfly or a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. And so when you think about what's happening inside the chrysalis, when a caterpillar is undergoing metamorphosis, it's really freaking scary. Like, can you imagine being a butterfly of being a caterpillar and going into this thing and having Mm. no idea what's going to happen to you? And, um, just like trusting the process and clearly, you know, when this creature comes out on the other side, it sprouts these amazing wings and flies off into the world, um, to be part of the cycle of life. But, you know, I had already been through my own, I had started going through my own metamorphosis and I understood really like that 
awful pain of transformation and wanted to help create a sacred and safe place where people could gather and experience transformation for themselves with people who understood them. And um, so it's interesting because um, I started this business and then I really underwent a transformation uh, that looked a lot like divorce mm. and moving and reinventing a business and writing a book and um, having like these major mm, like spiritual awakenings, not rapid fire, but um, like, like several in a, a relatively short period of time where there were days where I could literally feel my ego sloughing away. Mm. It was wild. It's been wild and it's still wild. I'm still in it, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, but what's so interesting is that I feel like when, when, and we'll, we can share a little bit with everyone listening more about what we've been working together on in a sec. But um, when we first started meeting a lot, like you, you're in such a happy place, like you're creating this life and like you were going out, you know, for dinner with people and, you know, all these things that a mom of three doesn't, you know, always get to do. <laughs> and you, it was just amazing to watch you sort of move out of your marriage and move into a new home with your kids. And I think that your home is more of your dream home, right? Like you're, you're living by the ocean. And um, so it's so amazing to see like how someone can move toward that. Cause I think as women, a lot of times we hold on um, to old stories or the way we think it's supposed to be or whatever, you know, like these pictures that have been painted for us and they might look kind of nice on the outside, <laughs> but they're not always so good on the inside. So I love that you figured that out. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think that as women too, like we spend a lot of time feeling stuck in our scenarios and we blame everybody else. And we're like, well, I have to stay here because of my husband, or I can't go anywhere because I need to stay close for my children or, you know, um, blaming our situation for our shortcomings and for our unwillingness to take risks. And if we can just break out of that, it's really hard to find your way out of it when you're stuck in a, like a storyteller's mentality, um, being like, this is the way it's written and this is the way it's always going to be for me. Um, but, but if you can break open and just trust that, like on the other side, of that crystal yeah. that you're stuck in right now. There's something really beautiful and you'll sprout wings. Um, but it's hard to trust when you can't see it and you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. So, you know, for me, um, when my husband and I, my husband and I um, had been in, in an adequate relationship for a long time, um, we were sort of living a marriage of mediocrity and uh, we definitely had failings um, in our marriage that needed to be addressed. And we tried and, um, it was just, it, he's a great guy. And for us, it was more chemistry or a lack thereof, um, than any real like major overriding problems. We just didn't work together. And, um, so we've been able to move through this process, um, with kindness for one another, which has been a real blessing. Um, but it, but going through it with kindness doesn't make it any less scary. I think when you're going through the, that transformation of moving from, you know, having a life and a, a life partner to just being your own sovereign. And 
Um, so, you know, I spent many months looking for the right house and I, I knew I wanted to buy a house. That was really important to me to, um, for, for just for stability, for me, for my three kids. And, um, I knew I couldn't afford to live where we were living anymore. And, um, I had lived in this town for 13 years, 14 years and leaving it was like gut wrenching because yeah. all of my systems were there. I had my people in place and, um, I had support, like if I needed to do something at the last minute, I could go to, I could go away on a vacation for a week at the last minute and call a friend and be like, can you take my kids? And they would say yes. And, um, you know, that took time to cultivate. And, um, what I really had to do was like break down all of those, um, systems that I had cultivated and, um, restart. And that was really like a bummer for me. Um, but it, it was an important part of this transition. And, you know, I, I, I kept the relationships that work for me and I let go some of the ones that didn't and or just couldn't sustain the distance and, um, no hard feelings. I'm, it's nothing's personal. It's just like, I'm moving from one location to another. And this is just what has to happen when you move. So I found this house on the, on the ocean. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to move and if I'm going to drag my kids away from everything they know and all of their friends, I got to make this a really beautiful move. And, um, the, I know salt water heals everything. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Ions. So, um, so yeah. I love that. And so t let's talk a little bit about, we, we talked a little bit before we started recording about just the idea of joy and moving toward joy. And so is that part of what like helps in the transition when the transition moments like is that that's just like idea of like moving towards something that's better or more joyful um totally it, it's interesting um the, the year before um my my husband and I separated officially we were we had to this is actually kind of a crazy story like I don't even know if I should say it out loud because um it's about personal finances and I'm sure my husband's gonna be like <laughs> But listen, I, I like I, talking money here. <laughs> right, right. So I'll speak truth. Um, so he had been starting a new business. And after um, a few years, like, like all of our savings was getting drained. Um, I mean, we, he had a cancer a few years ago and we were still paying hospital bills from chemo. Mm. And, um, you know, going through this phase where there was just, there was not enough income to sustain our big bills that we had um, created after years of financial wealth. So, um, once it was really starting to dwindle, I, I was like, we need to sell this house. We need to get out. And I had this amazing, um, realtor, Nancy, and she, um, called me and she was like, the house isn't selling, but I think I might've found a renter for you. And she said, they'll take your house fully furnished. And I'm like, perfect. So six days, I had six days to get out of the house to find oh a new God. house with all my kids and, um, and completely overhaul my life. And I think that when you're told that you're going broke and you've got six days to get out of your house, um, or, you know, you're going to be in, you know, dire financial straits, um, it can really like F you up <laughs> and, yeah. it can panic and feel afraid, but there's something that I had grown within myself over the past decade of meditation practice and spiritually based mental health. Um, and that was joy. 
and I had been working joy like it was my job for years and trying to find it and trying to connect with it and trying to understand, you know, what it means and how I can like make that bloom in my life. And, um, you know, that's perhaps a longer, more complicated story of like, about, like, and, and more about release than bringing in anything or seeking anything. It was more about just like letting things go that didn't serve me, whether it be a house or mm -hmm. a relationship or a friendship or a job or a goal or an expectation um, or like a chronic habit. So, or alcohol, you know, I'd let all these things go. And once I really stripped myself bare and saw what was left, I liked it. I was like, mm. I don't know who this girl is or where she came from, but she's kind of a badass and I really like her. Like, look how she can survive. And um, it got me excited. And, and, and actually, the more I lost, the more energized I felt and the more hopeful I felt because I knew that I had this huge like cavern of vacancy inside my life and I could fill it with whatever I wanted. And right. it was like... Love is a choice. Joy is a choice. Pain is a choice. Like any, it makes me want to cry when I'm saying all this stuff, but it's a choice. And we just have to choose to let the things in that serve us for our highest good. And so, you know, even when I'm living in this rental, that was like, ugh, it was like a ugh, rental, but like our neighbors in the rental were amazing and it was on a river and the kids loved being in nature. And so it was hard and like, we didn't have any of our stuff and we never, there were rooms that we just like never furnished. We lived in boxes for a year. Um, but I knew that like every day that I lived in that place, I was getting closer to freedom and to, um, and to like another point of letting go, which was letting go of my marriage that wasn't serving. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, and I, I, and I love that. And so tell us a little bit about how meditation played into all that. Like, tell us a little bit about your practice and how that weaves its way in. Maybe going back, because I feel like since you're so experienced, <laughs> maybe going, taking us back a little bit to how it started and wh where it is now. Okay. So, okay. So when I first started meditating, I was um, 32. I think the very first time I tried it, um, I had actually started practicing mindfulness without knowing that I was practicing it. And um when I started reading like Buddhist texts and I started reading um, like Brian Weiss books, really was into Brian Weiss, I would start doing these past life regressions. So there was more like hypnotherapy involved in it. And um, I, I couldn't really find any like good instructions for meditation. So I started going to this Buddhist center called the Drikung Spiritual Center mm -hmm. in um, Arlington, Massachusetts. And um, I started going to like these these Dharma talks and chanting sessions every Sunday. And I really liked it. Um, but like, I didn't speak Tibetan and all these people were really into speaking Tibetan and it just felt so foreign and different for me. I was like, that's not really working. And so then I started to, um, just look for stuff on YouTube and I found one video when I was starting off, it was introduced by Deepak Chopra and he was okay. like, this is my friend so-and-so who is going to teach you about, um, saying the words so hum for so he's doing his like um, primordial sound healing so it flips the screen to this picture of a old white guy with a beard sitting in like a library and everything looks kind of muted like monotone background and um he was like for two minutes close your eyes breathe in on so and breathe out on hum and i was like okay i guess this is meditation like either you chant and speak tibetan 
you do a hypnosis or you say so hum over and over again and so that's pretty much what i did for a long time until like i started reading more and understanding that there were all these different ways to meditate and it wasn't just so hum and so i studied um from all of these different books and teachers and went on retreats and was learning different techniques and um i liked everything like there was no one practice that turned me on or lit me up so i just kept trying different practices and what I learned later on, I started teaching um, meditation in public schools um, at health fairs. And then I would do like cons some consulting for various schools here on the North Shore of Massachusetts, just um, coming up with ideas and ways that they can bring mindfulness into their classrooms or into their student communities um, in a way that was secular and um, non-offensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and then I started teaching. So. Uh, the kids would learn and then the moms would come back to me and be like, oh, my kid's doing this and it's really helpful. Will you teach me? And so I started doing like weekly meditation gatherings in my house. And um, what was great about having all this background and learning different types of meditation is that I could present every single week a different type of meditation. So the moms who I was sitting with would always sometimes like afterwards we talk about it and they'd be like oh that one sucked i hated that one or <laughs> and the same time that one woman was like that sucked another woman would say oh i loved that one are you kidding me and so what i learned is that nothing there's no one solution for everybody and yeah. you just have to find ways to meet people where they are and if that means saying so hum over and over again then say so hum but if that means listening to crystal bowls or listening to ocean waves or maybe yeah. doing transcendental meditation or um, just following breath like there's something for everybody you just have to find it okay and so well it's interesting I'm just going to tell you this little story is that um, you know I we we share in common that we have three children and I think they're similar ages um, but my eighth grader had a really was having a really hard year this year and I have meditated every morning for probably like the past three or four years, I would guess consistently. Like before that, I used to always try, but to be honest, the kids were young enough that I was scared to get out of um, bed. Wow. <laughs> I was scared, it's okay. So I was scared to get out of bed in the morning, like, cause I was scared I'd wake them up. So I would try to meditate. So, you know, five years ago, I would start to try to meditate in bed and I'd fall asleep every single time. I'd like, <laughs> it was like two minutes and it was so relaxing, like I'd go to sleep. So whatever, it didn't work. So I started waking up early, you know, once the kids were, I was the point where I was waking them up in the morning. And um, I guess like, I didn't really like share much about it. Like, I think they knew I woke up early. I don't know if they just thought I was packing lunches. I don't know. But, you know, every once in a while, someone would come down and just see me with my eyes closed, like sitting in a chair. But I never, I don't know. I never really taught them. I, don't, I guess I didn't think I knew how. And so this fall, my eighth grader was just having a hard go at school and um at the same time he was we were he was doing his eighth grade project on fitness and I had connected with someone else who's been on this podcast I'm Manuel and in his program you have to meditate for 10 minutes every morning like before you do your CrossFit type workout and so that was only six weeks and that was you know back in November maybe and every single morning before school Felix meditates for 15 10 to 15 minutes like no fail like this morning I was like god it's kind of late but you know when, when you can't argue with like a 14 year old with his eyes closed sitting in a chair I'm like I guess we have to wait for him to stop meditating but it's changed everything in a, the weirdest way because 
he doesn't get so caught up in like what's going on. Like it's almost like he doesn't even care anymore. Whereas before it all, like everything was getting him down. He was like bummed when people weren't being nice and he just felt really, you could tell he felt really less than, and he just wanted to go off to high school. And it's not like anything's changed that much, like in his world, but he's changed. And so I think that's, what's so cool about, like, I really saw it. Like I saw how it worked. Cause I was, you know, quite painfully as the mom, like watching this go down. And I was, you know, I was, it was sad. So it's really cool how it can work in that way. And, you know, I don't even know what it is that works, but it works. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, how you suffer while he's suffering. Yeah, of course. Yeah. To make those changes on his own. And, you you know, it's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But um, the, the nice thing that you were doing is that you were showing him what consistency over time looks like. And I guess. Yeah, no, and it's funny because, like, you know, because he's a teen, like, he can't, I'm sure there's, other like, other points where I could have taught my kids to do it, but, like, that wasn't the moment where he was going to listen to his mom. Yeah. but he heard it from this other person, you know, which was awesome. So good. And then, you know, he could start to see how it fit in. And the other interesting thing is, is that he was never like one, he was always the one I was bugging about, you know, brush your teeth and do this. And it's all now attached to his meditation, which is so interesting about rhythm, which I talk a lot about here, but like now it's like he brushes his teeth, he does his hair gel and he meditates. It's like they go together in a clump. Mm -hmm. So he never has to be reminded of those things which is also I love. <laughs> Where does he meditate? He comes down and like we have this room that's kind of my office, but it has a chair in it and it's like all lit and he, he goes and steals my headset so that, you know, he can't hear if other people come down and he just totally zones. Like he's so in the zone for 10 minutes. And I think he's just listening to the Insight Timer app, which is a great resource for people if they're listening. Oh, that is really cool. And I love yeah. that site too is that you can see how many people are using it at the same time so you know yeah <laughs> yeah which is fun that's cool cool so why why is meditation changing like what what's that like why does that 10 minutes change people or hour or however long you choose to have I, there's there's a lot of brain science that's involved in it I mean you're making like physical structure physical changes in the structure of your brain so you're um thickening your corpus callosum, which is the network of fibers that could connects your left brain to your right brain. Um, again, there are a lot of ways to build these brain muscles. If you mm -hmm. will. Um, you could do the, you could build it in the same way by learning a musical instrument. So right. it's not just that meditation, you know, meditation is one way, but there are many ways, but um, meditation is a wonderful way because it doesn't require anything. Right. This requires consistency over time some discipline I don't think I can learn a musical instrument right now so <laughs> I know, I don't think good with meditation <laughs> we can shut our eyes and you know, sit our exactly. ass on the cushion exactly um, so yeah and then you're 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 rewiring um neural pathways inside your brain so the you know the science tells us that the brain is neuroplastic so it's always rewiring itself and taking new shapes and it can move and change and you have all this white matter that connects all the gray matter in your brain and when you meditate you're you're building connections to healthy parts of your brain and you're also um you are um you're reducing the density of your amygdala so your amygdala is like your panic center it's fight flight or freeze so anything that pretty much happens to you has got to go through your amygdala before um, you can actually experience it. So 
um, just to protect yourself. So when you're practicing meditation, you're um, practicing calm, right? And so you're building the parts of your brain that feel calmer. And so when you are stimulated, stimulated in a way that would typically cause you to panic, and then you have like 90 seconds of um, like physiological change in your body when something really scary happens, um, and that's normal. But um, when, you're, when your calm muscles are built, I'm making this really simple, when your calm muscle in the brain is, is stronger, um, then you can start to like bypass the amygdala. So it doesn't even freak you out as much in the first place. Or like after that 90 seconds of physiological response happens, um, you can start to return back to composure. Whereas like somebody else who's um, like firing like crazy um, through the amygdala in like panic and, and it's like over firing, then, um, then they're not able to calm themselves. So instead of having 90 seconds of panic, they're having like 10 minutes or 20 minutes of panic. So um, I love that. It's good. So we should all practice meditation. If we want. If we want. <laughs> this is the thing. It's like people are so attached to their pain. Like people mm -hmm. just have to decide, like, am I ready to tell a new story? Going back to what we were talking about in the beginning of, of this um, conversation is people really love their stories. And some people love to be the victim. They feel mm -hmm. like people listen to me and people um, want to talk to me because they want to help me because they know that I'm hurting and I'm the one that, that, that um, they feel good helping. Right. <laughs> you know, or, or yeah, or they just, they feel like if, if they're the victim, then they don't have to take responsibility for themselves. And yeah. once you realize that um, that's not serving you in any way, that's joyful or helpful. Um, and it certainly doesn't help people around you playing the victim role or, or telling those old stories. Um, then you can start to release it, but until you're ready, um, the, the practice won't call to you. None of these practices will call to you. You'll be one of those people who's like, Oh, I really should do that more. I really need to start doing that. Right. Cause you're not ready to give up your bullshit. Well, and I think though, it's such, it's like a powerful tool. Cause I feel like so many women like we're ready to let go of a lot because a lot of it's like inherited stories that we're not even that connected to. They're just stories of like how we're supposed to be as moms and women. Mm -hmm. So for that, I think it's like such a good tool. You know, if we're blaming our husbands and our moms and our parents for everything, then it's, I feel like that's closer and harder. But for those stories like right now that I think are so ready to shift and <laughs> just how we lead our lives is really awesome women, moms, workers, whatever it is we're doing. Um, it's super helpful. It's just a great, it's a great 10 minute tool. Yeah. And it's pretty much any, um, any experience that makes you feel inadequate or not enough, or gives you an excuse to fail or, or, yeah. or um, not try whether it be, you know, your gender or your, you know, sexual persuasion or the color of your skin or your disability or, being short, like whatever it is, whatever um, that thing is about you that you're using as an excuse, you have to start seeing that as nothing, as the nothingness that it is. Um, because this is, it, this is all a, just a big game living in these human bodies. It, our bodies don't even exist. So mm. there's some way to, to find, to, to um, like Gandhi says, to be the change you wish to see in the world. And um, you, you actually have to, to see yourself as the change and not see yourself as what you embody, but see yourself as, um, as a, a change maker. And in order to do that, you have to like transcend your filter. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons that I love meditation or, and, and have really actually learned this from you is like in terms of like my life as an entrepreneur um, and, but really even as a mom, like I'm one very often to jump the gun, like to have an idea and just want to, it's funny cause I'm, I used to be so quiet, but I'm just not quiet about things anymore. I don't know. <laughs> But so can we talk a little bit about chakras? Because that really helped me understand um, how to build things from, from the ground up. And I feel like meditation is sort of on the ground, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think meditation can apply to every chakra. Um, yeah. But yeah, sure. So your chakra is like your spiritual body. So you have a physical body, you have a spiritual body, and all of this energy is sort of lined up in um, different worlds of um, – of energy that move pretty much along like the, the midline of your body. There are other chakras. There are like gazillions of other chakras all around your body. But typically um, we talk about the seven main ones that start down um, at your pelvic floor, which is called your root chakra. And then you move up to your sacral chakra, which is about um, two fingers below your belly button. And then you move to your solar plexus, which is right around your diaphragm, uh, your heart chakra, which is at your heart space, uh, your throat chakra, on your throat, duh. your third eye, people know where that is, right between your eyebrows, and then your crown, which um, sits on top of your head. So this is the traditional chakra system. Um, there actually is an updated chakra system, and people argue about how many are within this new um, updated system. That's a, that's a conversation for another time, but um, sticking with this traditional one will get you pretty far if this is sort of like the path you want to explore to find balance and health in your life. Um, so each chakra is associated with different systems and different organs in your body. They're associated with different emotions and it's really important to kind of, um, keep them in balance. Um, and this, it basically provides you with a structure of understanding, um, that balance and also like how to make it like a physical practice. If you want to mm. combine the physical, the emotional, the mental and everything else. Um, so you can do different yoga moves to stimulate various um, chakras, but if you start, um, stacking, you know, um, your life up and your, your, maybe your business up through your chakra system, um, you can just start at the root and the root is all about, um, your, your foundational needs, your primitive needs. This is like money and safety. Hmm. So do, do I feel safe in my body? And, um, and then you move up from there. It moves up through creativity and through confidence and willpower and, you know, human connection and expression and insight. And then, you know, you move up into like more ethereal realms moving through the, through the crown chakra. I love that. Well, and one of the things that I loved, it's like you, you kind of, it's an advantage to move up, right? Like, so with every move, it's an advantage to move up. And so often I think we can want to be creative, but we don't feel grounded or we don't feel safe in that wherever we are, like trying to be creative um, or, you know, we're trying to say the right thing to our kids, but we're, you know, at dinner, but we're not grounded in that moment. Like we're not feeling safe in that moment about what we're cooking. I mean, little things, like it doesn't even have to be big, right? Like we're not feeling confident that we're going to cook the chicken right or the, the, the broccoli. And then that totally takes us out of that space where we'll have the right words. 
Yeah, so it kind of makes your, your filter becomes a little bit murky. So we're talking about like transcending filter. <laughs> like, yeah, so I love that stacked idea. Like I love the idea that you're stacking and it's like Legos and it doesn't have to be like long or prolonged. It can be fast, but it's like, all right, check in. Like, am I ground, you know, am I safe? Like, you know, and you sort of can stack your way up until you open your mouth, which, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, sometimes I'll think about the shocker system. It's like um, you're you're building a house and so if you're building a house and you put down your four, your four corners of the, of the foundation, um, you want to make sure that they're like level and even and strong. And if you take away one of those four corners and start and keep building anyway, even though one of the corners is kind of like schloopy or gone, um, everything that you build up on top is going to kind of look lopsided. Mm. So it's really important to have, to, to feel secure and safe in your body and, um, and then everything from there um, stacks up more naturally, you know, with the, the sacral chakra, which is um, the one that's sort of like your reproductive system. And, you know, this will speak to um, fluidity and sex and movement and, um, and like moving, like expression of your body. Um, and if you're feeling stagnant somewhere in there, then the stuff that comes on top isn't going to feel so great, which is like your willpower and, um, right. Yeah. And it's, it, you just, you just got to pay a little bit of attention every day Yeah, on in each aspect of your life. And this is just one, it's just one tool to do that. The chakra system. There are other tools too, but this is right. Right. Including like, like a calendar. Tools. I mean, I feel like there's tons of tools, but this is, I love that you explain it as a way to organize things because there's so many ways, you know, we can make to-do lists. We can build a calendar. We can go by the moons. Like there's so many different ways, but it's just an interesting way to look at it and sort of you know, assess what's next. Yeah. And we love rainbows. <laughs> we do love rainbows. So I think that listeners are going to have to go back to the blog post because I think I'm going to have to make some sort of diagram that explains with the colors, with the rainbow, like all those emotions you just said, I'm going to have to go back and very carefully listen so I can make the diagram correct. And you know, what's funny. So the new chakra system, there's actually a unicorn in it. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> and a dragon. Oh yeah. It's good. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll, maybe someone's already made me some pictures. So maybe I'll go find a picture somewhere on there. It's good. So I told you guys in the intro about the conference that Vanessa, I, and her business partner from Chrysalis, Denise, are putting together. So Denise, you'll also hear her on the podcast. Um, so, and it's based on the chakra systems, which is why I asked her that question. Cause I think it's fascinating that, um, we would we would stack things this way that we would build things this way and it means the cool part to me is that it means it's so much more holistic than we and i feel like there's lots of different points of view on this um just a couple episodes ago we also listened to sarah jenks and it's it's all like a way to get back to the true balance as a woman like that we need all these different things like we we love our work we love our families we can put food on the table. Um, we need to take care of ourselves, right? Like we need to ha have those mom quiet moments to find joy. We need that space. Um, and it can't just all be all compacted. And, you know, we need the space to figure out those things. So I love the chakra system as a metaphor to how one might navigate that. I think it's cool. Um, so in finding, let's talk about that for a sec. Let's talk about balance. Mm which is a weird word to me because I think it probably means something different to everybody. 
And I use it now only because I'm finding that life balances itself out. Like there's moments of hard work and moments of ease. Um, there's moments of mothering and moments of work. There's moments of just needing time and space alone and moments of wanting to be with people. And so it doesn't necessarily look like that every day, but over time, I think, you know, that's what you're, you're creating this like picture. So tell us a little bit about like in your day to day, how, how you're doing that, like how you're carving, like what, like how you're balancing stuff. Cause you've got a lot right now and you're currently, we haven't even gotten to the fact that you have three kids Yeah, I've and you're now alone in a house with them. Did you say you have four kids? What did you oh, say? I, my stepdaughter is my fourth. Oh, right. So the relationship changes because I've gone, um, you know, I'm going through. Forgot about her. Yeah. But, um, yeah. She's hard to forget about cause she's, a, she's totally a badass. And uh, mm. I, I mean, we've been together since she was eight years old. I feel yeah. like she's in my heart. You know, she was my first child. <laughs> she was my yeah. first being a mother. It was a stepmother, but it was still, um, she broke me in and she's, yeah. she's amazing. Um, yeah. So like you said, I'm finding, like, I kind of chunk my way through this idea of balance. Like for example, um, so a few months ago I moved into this house and, uh, knew that it was, it was going to need some work. And, um, I didn't realize the extent of work that it would require. So upon moving in and opening up a few walls, we realized that there was uh, a fire that was disclosed inappropriately on our seller's disclosures. Um, and it was structural and the, the damage was structural in nature. And I ended up having to gut my entire house to the studs um, wow. living in it with my three little kids. And, um, and to, I mean, this totally, made me feel off balance. And so, um, what I did is I, I leaned into faith, right? That's what I always do first. Um, and just trusting like, okay, this is something that I know, um, I can handle because it's in my life and it wouldn't be in my life if I couldn't handle it. And I know that I have like this ethereal support team of angels and guides and whoever is here to help me. Um, so that, provided me uh with like that was my foundation yep. and, it, and it was the strongest foundation that I could have had um but uh, but I live in this world <laughs> in this this world of you know it's physical and it's very real and it didn't the, the day in day out was very hard and um I am susceptible to depression and I talk about that a lot in my teachings where I was depressed for like 10 to 15 years somewhere on the on the spectrum of dysthymic and suicidal and so for me like I'm so familiar with that like dark area of life that I knew that I needed to be very conscious of my behavior and my choices and of taking on too many things while I was going through this um home renovation because I could go over the edge into, into the dark side very easily. So, um, yeah, I just sort of, um, spent as much time out of the house as I could. My ex, my ex-husband was taking the kids every weekend, which was great. So on the weekends I was able to go out and stay with friends and, um, have fun. And that yeah. was really helpful. Um, just, you know, minimizing the amount of time I spent here, but I was so, um, out of my house that I really didn't have time to work. So 
besides Faith, I also really leaned into Denise, my business mm. partner. Our business was transitioning anyway. So like everything was moving around at once, which made things really complicated for me um, during this time inside right. the Christmas. Um, but yeah, um, she just like picked up things for me that I couldn't do. And instead of beating myself up and um, feeling like crap that I wasn't able to perform um, in the same with the same veracity that I did or ferocity that I did in the past. I just forgave myself. And like I said, so much of my practice is based in forgiveness and just constantly going back to like, hey, it's okay. Like this is where I am right now. I'm a human being. I find I find the balance in my life through constant forgiveness and and almost constant gratitude too. Um, yeah. that I do have the faith to lean into, or I do have Denise, who's an amazing business partner, who's just going to be like, I got you, honey. I'm picking it up. <laughs> show up at my door with food in her hand, which I love, or, um, you know, that I have friends who I can count on, or, or even just trusting, like, even when I'm afraid that the money won't be there, or I won't be able to pay the bills, just like trusting that it's, it's going to be there. It's going to work and just lean into that. Yeah. Okay. So there's like, I feel like there's three really good nuggets in that. The first is the trust piece and just understanding that we get what we can handle. And I think that helps a lot of the really hard things that happen just in life. I, you know, personally, we were just recently in New Orleans selling my, celebrating my grandmother's hundredth birthday. And then my cousin's three-year-old just got diagnosed with cancer. And it's like how, you know, it's like the juxtaposition of those two things. Like, how can that happen? You know? And so, but it's like that family was served up that thing and they're, they're handling it beautifully and they're going to inspire somebody to do the next thing. Uh, and then the other thing I love from that, which you mentioned earlier in moving that you lost, but you definitely still have in Denise is just that idea that everyone needs to find support. Like that, motherhood was never meant to be us alone ever. So you, it's always about like leaning on your kids, leaning on your spouse, if you have one and finding that amazing group of moms who will take your kids for a week if you need to go away, you know? And I, I think that's so important to cultivate and not, uh, not miss as a mom, right? Like, cause yeah, that's, that like I feel like everyone needs to take that in and and work on that and work on those friendships and make sure that you have a safe place for your kids so I love both of those I, there was a third one in my head and now I can't remember what it was well I think something else too that's really important is that like when you're when you're like up to your armpits in mud um and you have no idea when you're going to get clean again um just to kind of surrender to the mud while yeah. you're in it and um, get curious about the mud and say, boy, like I'm stuck in mud. I can't move. And this is really uncomfortable. Let me, let me figure out why it's so uncomfortable. And then you start to explore it. And then you think, well, it's wet. It's kind of cold. I don't like the, it feels kind of weird on my skin. Um, you know, all the things that don't feel good about mud, uh, it's dirty. It makes me look ugly. Um, the more you explore it and get curious about it, the less um, the less damage it can do to you because, because then yeah. you get, you almost want to experience it more so that you can better understand it. And then once you reach the fullest understanding of an experience, especially painful experiences, when you reach the fullest understanding you can, then you're starting to master it. And then once you get out of the mud and you clean yourself up, 
you're like, wow, that was like a detoxifying mud bath. Look at me. I'm like shiny and new, right? Like, so maybe there were, there were some aspects of the mud that were actually healing and cathartic and can help you layers and look shiny and and newer, more joyful. And I think that actually is exactly what my third point was going to be, except I was going to say it differently, which is about the time, because also in those examples you used, it was always impossible time situations, right? Like get out of the house in six days. But when you look at it in that way, it's like, sometimes we just have this sense of how long things take. And I think sometimes in life they take longer and sometimes they take like miraculously way shorter than we ever thought. And I think think a lot of the messiness of motherhood and, and work-life balance as a mom and all that stuff comes from this idea of the time we think we have to do certain things and that that can actually look so much different and work out which yeah and 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 letting time be what it is and not taking time personally yes 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 i love that it is because it is just time and it has nothing to do with us like and if you like if you use a a hammer it's like a, a tool like a hammer and if you you use a hammer correctly you can build a house a really beautiful house but if you use it incorrectly you're, you might drop it on your foot and hurt yourself. So like, how can you use time in a way that um, is most effective and can help you build the house that you're trying to build? Yeah. And I mean, everything you're sharing is if you use time to find joy, it seems to be worth it, which yeah. I love. Yeah. All right. So I think in the show notes, we're for sure going to put the link for how people who are local to the area, to, to the Boston area can and who are entrepreneurs, because I guess both those things would make it make it worth your while um, to come to Solopreneur. Um, and how else can people get a hold of you? I know you have a super active Facebook page, right? Yeah, I'm um, I'm constantly running out of space to add friends on my Facebook page. Um, people can I'm watch you. but yeah, you can like follow me there. Um, I think it's I think it's Facebook slash Vanessa dot Gobes Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. So, because yeah. you, you, and you lead meditations, right? There. Every morning at 6 30, I um, scooch my tushy up against my headboard and turn on my camera and sit in my pajamas and meditate with whoever wants to be with me that morning. So, it's usually like 10 to 20 minutes of meditation. And um, cool. Yeah. So, and do you meditate? This is totally aside because I have a final question I want to ask you, but do you meditate in silence always? No. No. Like, do I, like, like, are you, when you're, so when you're going on, are you leading people through a meditation? Like, are you using words on Facebook or yeah. are you meditating? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll guide it all the way through. Sometimes I start with guidance and ed- end with silence. But typically I think for the crowd who's experiencing me on Facebook, I think most of the, most of them are newbies. Mm-hmm. And, um, they benefit from having just, I love being guided at least to transition from doing to being so that they can understand the process of dropping in because oftentimes like when you sit down you're just like oh i'm sitting bam i have to start meditating and you go straight into your so hum or you go straight into your watching your breath but that's not the gentlest way to move into a meditation like if you can take a few moments to look around your space and um better understand what's happening in your present moment in your physical space and then maybe like take a little journey through your senses and check in with your body. There are all these different kinds of approaches that you can use to deepen yourself in the present moment and, tr- and make the transition into your meditation practice a little bit more gentle. 
Mm, I love that. I actually think that that's the transition into anything is one of the things we forget to take into account. Life is totally in the transitions. Transitions suck. And even just being like, I suck at transitions is such an empowering thing to say. Or just even scheduling for enough time. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes people are like, we have 20 minutes for dinner. I'm like, well, but no, because it takes like at least, you know, 15 minutes to get it out of the fridge and warmed up. You know, like you need, like you need the time to ramp up and ramp down from things. Or even like when the the kids were when the kids were really little and trying to get them out the door and like, do you remember how long it takes for a three-year-old to put their shoes on? Oh my gosh. Like forever and ever. Yeah. And my youngest now is nine. So I'm pretty far away from that, but I will never forget like hollering at my kids in the mudroom being like, get your shoes on. We're going to be late. Like that's, that's my mismanagement of time. That's my problem, not theirs. And I'm yelling at them as if it's their problem. And it's like shifting blame and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but, you know, if, like you said, if you can give them time to transition, um, then, you know, they'll have plenty of time to put their, sh- if they want to take 20 minutes to put their shoes on, great, go ahead, have yeah. explore it. Yeah, no, I love that. Oh my gosh, so good. And I have to say to anyone who has three-year-olds that take advantage of the middle, because I feel like it comes back a little bit in teenage. You have a, you have a girl teenager, I have a boy teenager, but I don't know. It's a teenage kids, I, especially, <laughs> especially the girls. Um, there's just like a meanness that's coursing through um, them as, you know, middle schoolers and young high schoolers. And if, if they could just realize that there's more power in loving and supporting each other, mm. each other down, that middle school would be a very different place. Mm. I, it, I think that's a girl boy thing, though, because I don't experience that with boy. I experience it with girl. Yeah, my, my youngest son watches what my girls go through and I look at him and I'll be like, don't worry, buddy. You won't have to worry. <laughs> totally. Totally. All right. So my last question is always tell us about um, a meal that had a big impact on you, either because of the food, um, an aha you had while at the table or something about the company. Oh God, I am the worst eater. So I, I know I, I tell us- in my life, like, <laughs> No idea, Mia. <laughs> okay. Okay. A meal that had, does it have to be positive impact? <laughs> no. Um, there's one meal that stands out in my mind. My mind went right there. I was like four or five years old and um, my mom had made steak and I had this little plate. It was like a raggedy Ann and Andy plate. And oh, I had one of those. Would, yeah, it was kind of, it was like melanine, but not. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had cut up tiny little pieces of steak and put a blob of ketchup. And then she did tiny little carrot sticks with a blob of peanut butter. And all I had to do was eat, eat that. And I just remember like eating the steak and just like choking and gagging. And like, I just, I couldn't swallow it. I remember I can actually conjure the taste of that um, ketchup in my mouth right now. And it's making me grossed out. <laughs> And I just refused to eat it. And my mom said, you're not leaving the table until you eat everything on this plate. And so I curled up in a ball on the chair in the kitchen and I slept there. And I think she probably, I I mean, I had like this like foggy awareness of people moving around and cleaning up around me. And then like the TV going on in the family room and maybe like wheel of fortune coming on, you know, like I could hear it a little bit. And then I just fell asleep and somebody carried me up in the middle of the night. But that is how much of an aversion I had to 
specifically to meat <laughs> growing up. And um, yeah, that's always like really stuck with me. It's, it's hard. I, I have, I have a hard time preparing food for myself and for my family. It's, it's a real challenge for me. So. Wow. Um, that's interesting. And I, I bet you don't do that right now as I a mom. What do you I don't not? Make, you don't push food. You don't make, you wouldn't make anyone sleep at the table. I wouldn't make anybody sleep at the table, but when they don't eat what I cook and I, cause I don't love to cook and when they don't eat it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> like you don't know how hard it was for me to spend like an hour cooking the soup or whatever it is. And when you don't eat it, I just want to like burst down to tears. So, you know, yeah. I finally get to the point where I'm like, whatever, go eat cereal. Go, go make Annie's mac and cheese. All right, don't tell me that. Don't I'm, tell me that. I know. So I need you. I need your book. I need you in my life. <laughs> listen, people, all of you slacker moms like me who are feeding your kids Cheerios for dinner, <laughs> you're not alone, but we all yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So I can't wait. So it's funny. Whenever I interview anyone who's a, a, a meditation person, I kind of always want to end with a meditation. Do you want to do that now or do you want to send me one? We can do like, Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I'm closing my eyes. Oh, really? Am I like guiding you? How, how much time do we have? I don't know. Like two minutes? Yeah, a quick meditation. Let's do a quick meditation. If you're, uh, and I'll pull this out. If you're listening on the podcast, this will be pulled out so you can come back and re-listen. But yes, let's all meditate unless you're driving. Yes. Don't do this if you're driving. So I'm going to, I'll actually just talk you through the approach that I usually start off with on my um, Facebook page in the morning. Awesome. um, So if you're looking for a way to transition from doing to being, you can start right here. So find a comfortable seat and drop your awareness down into your spine so that it rests in your tailbone And then imagine right there at the bottom of your spine, there's a golden zipper. And imagine yourself taking hold of the zipper and dragging it right up your spine, very slowly. And as you drag it up and you zip up your spine, you're going to make slight adjustments in each disc so that one stacks on top of the one before it. And as you stack these discs, you're creating space between them. You're creating length in your spine. And you're creating integrity in your posture. And so perhaps as you draw this golden zipper up the length of your back, your spine begins to illuminate gold like a rod. welcoming healing and harmony. And if it's, if it works for you to move your rib cage around a little bit, you can rock back and forth from your hips just to find your center as you draw that zipper up higher along the spine. And once you reach your shoulder blades, I'm going to squeeze them gently in the back so that your shoulders draw back and your heart space opens. This dignified posture continues as the zipper moves up toward your neck. The neck draws long and the crown of the head reaches toward the sky. 
And as the crown of your head reaches toward the sky, maybe you find some new space between your shoulders and your ears. Maybe you find some new space in your jaw. Perhaps your teeth are clenching or you're sucking your cheeks in or your tongue is suction cup to the roof of your mouth. So release, relax your teeth, maybe part them if that's helpful. You can peel your tongue off the roof of your mouth and touch just the tip of your tongue to the back of your teeth. Establishing sovereignty inside your body. And greeting your next breath with dignity. Breathing deep in through the nose. Releasing through the mouth. And doing that a few times at your own pace. Noticing as the body relaxes, as the lungs saturate with oxygen, and then either continuing on with your meditation from here, or welcoming a little wiggle into your toes and fingers so that you can continue with your day from a place of peace. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Namaste. I'm relaxed. I hope everyone's relaxed. All right, you guys, I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm super excited for everything Vanessa has going on. She is almost done with her second book, um, both of which will come out hopefully in 2019. So you will be sure to hear more from her, but she's really here to serve moms and help us all be the best versions of ourselves. So I want to share with you guys three doable changes that I took from this episode that I think can really help us all. And just to really frame for you what I mean by a doable change is that every Sunday I go through a list that I, an ongoing list that I have for myself of doable changes. And I pick one thing to really focus on for the week so that I can play with it. I can plan for it. I can take it seriously, but I can also have fun with it. And I can really see how that thing will fit into my life. And it used to be that I tried to do everything at once. So I would, I got good at breaking things down into little doable bits, but I would try to put them all in. So how do I, you know, clean out the playroom, drink more water, get my green smoothie habit, you know, do all these things in one week. And what I would find is I would go, 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 and I would be good for about four days. And then at day five, I would just fizzle. I would be exhausted. I would have been too much. It didn't really fit into my life as my life existed at that moment. And so what I started to do was just play with one thing at a time. And when I looked back after a couple of months, 
I realized that as I did that, it was way more strategic because I was actually creating habits. And so if I focused on, say, a green smoothie one week, and I really made that part of my morning, and I you know, figured out how to ask my husband for help, and I grocery, went to the grocery store in advance so I had everything I needed, and I really figured out how to put those things into my life, then those habits lasted longer. And at the end of a couple months, I had a bunch of habits that I didn't really have to think about. They weren't things I had to schedule for because they were little things that just fit into my life. So that is how I think about doable changes. And you can go grab the list of 101 of them over at plansimplemeals.com. And then at the end of every episode, I like to share three doable changes that I grab from the episode so that you can start to think if one of those is the three things that you're inspired to work on this week so that you really take what you're hearing and put it into action because action, you guys, action is where it's at. So the first doable change is plan times, plan time, sorry, for transitions. So whether you're meditating, getting dinner on the table, or trying to get your kids out the door, leaving enough time for transitions really sets you up for success. So what does this mean? It means before you start to meditate, just observe your surroundings. Give your kids notice that they need to get ready if it takes them 20 minutes to put shoes on before you walk out the door. So start them early. When you schedule things on your calendar, be realistic about the time it takes to transition. Does that make sense? So very often I watch, myself included, I watched women put on their calendar, you know, dinner. And it's like, it can only be from, you know, 6.30 to 7 because we get home at 6.20 and at 7, I really need them to be transitioning to bed so that I can make a call at 8 p.m. Let's say that's what my day looks like. And the thing is, is that first of all, we can't land in the house in that time, much less me get dinner on the table, much less then transition into really getting ready to bed. It's just not enough time. And so sometimes when we feel rushed and overwhelmed, it's less to do with what we've decided that we want to do or what we need to do, but more to do with we haven't given ourselves the time for those transitions or just the mindfulness for those transitions. So plan times for transitions. That's the first doable change from this episode. The second one is to meditate. Love this one. So even 10 minutes a day can make a huge difference. Just 10 minutes of meditation. Check out the brief meditation that Vanessa did with us on this show. We've extracted it into the blog post. So you can just go back and listen to that. Or you could use an app like Insight Timer to help you develop a practice. That's something that I do. And Insight Timer has actually really helped me because it shows you each day. Like it shows you the consecutive days and it just helps me be aware of my habit. Like sometimes I think I'm meditating every day and then I open insight timer and see that I haven't been on in two days. And I'm like, Oh, and I started off meditating using the guided meditations from insight timer. I found those really helpful just to guide me through the process of what I was even supposed to be doing, what I was supposed to be thinking about or not thinking about. And over time, um, I've worked and I just use it. Um, I really just use the music part of it. And I've set up how what I like to listen to. Sometimes it's waves. Sometimes it's a gong. And I just, you know, 
really am able to zone out and clear my mind, but it's been a process. I personally like to meditate first thing in the morning, but find the time that works for you. If you have a little, little one who's waking you up early in the morning, probably first thing isn't going to work. So maybe it's, you know, after you get the child settled in, maybe after they go down for a nap, but the important thing is to write it down, put it in your calendar, plan for it, really give yourself the space to do it. It doesn't have to take long. You guys really, you could start with five minutes a day, um, build yourself up to 10 and then maybe optimally you do it for 15 for the next couple of months and see what that feels like. All right. So number one, plan for transitions. Number two, meditate. Number three, get curious about discomfort. This is one of my favorite things about this episode with Vanessa. We will all be in situations that are uncomfortable. So instead of fighting against them, let's just try getting really curious about how it really feels, what we don't like about the situation. We can choose to change But first, we need to see where we are. This has been a really, really important lesson for me um, over the past couple of years. I did a lot of sort of positive work with positive psychology and affirmations and the law of attraction. And I really realized at some point that I needed to just get through the gook. And I love how Vanessa is really real about that on this episode. So get curious about the discomfort. And I also love that word, by the way, of getting curious because we don't have to get lost in the discomfort. We don't have to judge ourselves about the discomfort. We don't have to feel less than about the discomfort. We are amazing. You are amazing. Everyone here listening to this podcast, we are all amazing and doing the best we can in every moment. So getting curious about discomfort detaches us a little bit and makes us not get lost. And we sort of can walk through it and come out the other side, which is so amazing. And meditation is a great tool for that. All right. I leave you with that. I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.